Hi, and welcome to the Mindset and Performance Podcast. I'm Dries. I help athletes and business professionals with their career development. We work on a wide range of areas from psychology to strategy and execution, but we focus essentially on the mindset as it is the key to everything else. The whole idea behind this podcast is to deconstruct the habits that led people to their success, to learn from their experience and understand the psychology behind their actions and behaviors. And of course, to gain key insights that you can apply to your own life. Welcome to the Confinement Series. These episodes are recorded for you from Germany in times where all the nations have taken strict measures to stop spreading the coronavirus. With this new and unique situation, many of us are challenged to live in conditions that they are not used to which is why I'm bringing experts in different fields to give advice and intel on how you can manage your everyday, your health physically and mentally, your relationships, your business and your emotional well-being. So without further ado, our next guest. Mark, so good to have you. So good to have you here again. Thank you so much. And it's, it's such a pleasure and honor to be here with you, Driss. I can't remember when was last time we spoke. I think it was when you took care of me when I had my bulging disc. Uh, yeah, you, you, I took some sessions with you. That was great. I keep on telling that story to people, you know, by the way. Oh, do you? Do you? So it lives on. Nice. You know, nice. You know why? Because I had that um, uh, issue with my lower back. And yep. I went to physiotherapists, chiropractors. Uh, I even had somebody telling me that I needed to do a surgery. And then I met you. <laughs> I remember we were having, having lunch at um, Koi in Batubolo. Yes, yes. I miss that place. I love that place. Yeah, it's such a good food there, right? Yeah. And then um, we talked about uh, the issue and the problem. And you told me, man, come on, look at my, my, my I have bulging disc. You told me you have discs that were empty or something. Yeah. And you were still fit yeah. Yeah. and very mobile and active. Mm-hmm. I was like, I want to, I want to have that too. I want to be mobile. So, so what is it that I'm doing wrong? Then we took those sessions and it just changed uh, my life in literally uh-huh. because I have been doing those, uh, those routines that you taught me for, uh, I, I guess until now I'm still doing the same stretches. I'm still doing the same nice. exercises, working on my core. Um, I'm using the um, trigger point balls, uh, yeah. and my glutes in the front yeah, of good. my hips and um, fully mobile and active again. No surgery, no physiotherapy, oh, wow. no chiropractor, nothing. That was good. Yeah, that's music to my ears and uh, <laughs> that makes my heart melt. Yeah, I love it. I love it whenever, um, you know, whenever I get to work with, uh, with clients like yourself and, uh, you know, they're kind of, they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. And, you know, so many doctors are telling them they need surgery and they got to, you know, go under the knife and they got to do this and they got to do that. When in all actuality, um, that's not necessarily the case for a lot of people. Um, mm. it's, it's finding somebody that can do the right assessments to see exactly what's going on mm. and then start at the, at, at the base and, and work from the base. Um, mm. up. And that's kind of what we did. You know, we did some assessments, you know, mm. we were seeing what's going on. Um, we did a lot of trigger point, a lot of release, a lot of self myofascial release. And then, uh, and then we, we built that solid foundation and we got that core nice and strong and then we built from there. So it's good mm. to hear a good success mm. story like that. And I, I was transferring that to people. So people tell me their back is hurting. So then, well, you know what? Here's the story. Use this ball. <laughs> Use nice. this exercises. Nice. Yeah. And if you need yeah. more, call this guy. Mm. <laughs> okay. So, that. Thank you. So how are you doing and where are you at Thailand, obviously, but where specifically? Okay. I am, um, first I am doing absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know that, uh, you know, we're like the whole world's going through some trying times. Um, but you know, me personally, I have lived the majority of my adulthood in the unknown. Um, and I thrive in the unknown and uh, we'll get into a little bit of my background and some of the things that, um, you know, that I've been through. Um, so right now, like uh, I'm in a good position, I'm in a good position because, you know, I've been here so many times, um, I've been comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, I'm in Phuket, Thailand. Um, I live, I would say maybe about like 10 minutes away from the airport. 
Um, I've just been hired about three months ago full-time to work at a resort called Tenyapura, mm. which is pretty much the, the largest and leading health and fitness resort in all of Southeast Asia. This place is amazing. Now, currently, we're shut down because of the coronavirus, um, and hopefully things will reopen soon. Uh, but with a little bit of the downtime, I've been taking advantage of it. Uh, a lot of online clients. Uh, there's courses that I've bought years ago that now I finally have the opportunity to do and educate myself. I've been doing a lot of meditation going within, uh, getting in nature, nature walks, earthing, um, just, just, yeah, really connecting with myself and using the time wisely. So um, right now, is, um, it's as, as good as ever. And they hired you as a performance coach, right? Or what's the title? How do you call yourself or how do you introduce yeah. yourself to people? So a, a, a fitness performance specialist is, uh, is the official title. Okay. Yeah. And, and then, uh, so you have been given that and teaching, teaching people before Tanyapura, right? I see that in your t-shirt there, Tanyapura. Yeah. You've been doing that for a while, right? I have. I've been in the, we'll say, the, the health and fitness industry for the last 10 years. Um, and I also, I, I work with several different brands as a master instructor. So for quite some time, for quite a few years, I've traveled all through Southeast Asia, actually all over the world, mm. uh, delivering certification courses, presenting at conferences, um, and just working and, and, and spreading the seeds and, and uh, helping as many people as I possibly can. Nice. So when we met in Bali, that was five years ago, I believe you were doing some, some of that. That's correct. So you, yeah. you, you were based in Bali half a year, I believe, or something like that. And then Thailand, but have you been practicing that somewhere else, like other countries? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've traveled all throughout Indonesia, um, Thailand, I've been to Australia, uh, yeah, just just all over, all over. Yeah, certifying and, and helping and presenting. If if we want to rewind a little bit, going even back to before that, what were you up to? Uh, prior to the health and fitness industry. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Just to give right, the people so a little bit of of a, of a background and where does where where you come from and so on. Yeah. For sure, for sure. So I'm gonna I'm gonna rewind quite a bit. Yeah. Yes, please. Um, Chapter one. Okay. So all right, all right. Sounds good. Um, so I was uh, I was born and raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in the U.S. Hmm. Um, and so as I was growing up, I, I I grew up with martial arts. So I started karate whenever I was four years old. I took that for like nine years. Then I got into wrestling, and I wrestled for about seven years, all through elementary school, middle school, high school. So I was always like into sports and, and you know, very, very athletic. Um, but however, though, when I was in my high school years, I was, uh, I was a heathen child. Um, so, you know, I was always in trouble and fighting and, you know, I was your typical jock. And, and uh, so, so I realized, you know, kind of my senior year that I was going down a bad path and that I needed to take a turn in my life because if I didn't, you know, I was, I was going to wind up probably in jail or dead or yeah, doing something that I, I didn't want to do. So I always had the, um, I guess, the passion to, to travel. I wanted to see the world. I wanted to see the world. I wanted to challenge myself physically, mentally. And, and so I started thinking about the military. And I was like, hmm, if I go into the military, what branch do I want to go into? And then I thought about the Air Force. And I said, I don't want to fly planes. And I thought about the Navy and I was like, oh, man, the Navy's not my thing. And then um, you know, I thought about the Army and I was like, the Army's too big. And I remember I walked into the recruiter office for the United States Marine Corps. And as soon as I walked in, I saw this, uh, this, this recruiter. He had on his dress blues. And, and man, he was, he was like buff and in shape. And, and he just, I, I just remember looking at him and I was like, man, like just really, really impressed. And I was like, yes, tell me more. Tell me what it's like to be a United States Marine. And then, man, after, after the first couple hours of talking to him, I was, I was hooked and I said, you know what? I'm going to join the Marine Corps. I'm going to travel. I'm going to challenge myself. And, and, and this is what I'm going to do. And that's what I did. I ended up uh, enlisting to uh, the Marine Corps. Mm -hmm. um, and then I ended up getting into a, like a security unit. And so basically we provided force protection and anti-terrorism security measures in support of U.S. strategic interests in the Persian Gulf. So I spent about three and a half years and 
Bahrain, uh, Afghanistan, Kuwait, uh, like all over the Persian Gulf, traveling, uh, protecting people and foreign dignitaries and, and keeping people safe. Um, so I ended up uh, getting out of the Marine Corps and you know, I achieved a lot whenever I was in, uh, but a lot of that stuff was physical, but yet mental. But I kind of wanted to delve into uh, the educational side. It's like I mm -hmm. said, when I was in high school, um, I, was, I was definitely not into studying in, in, in the education. So uh, I but, decided- But hold on, if we can, yeah, if, sure. sorry to interrupt, if we can just stay a little longer in the childhood part there. You were uh -huh. playing sports and all that. And um, how, did you have models back then? Who were you looking up to? Who were you? Um, hmm. Yeah, who was I looking up to? Um, because, you know, because of the martial arts, you know, I yeah. think definitely like, like Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee, Chuck yeah. Norris, um, you know, those were definitely some, uh, some people that I looked up to. Um, you know, really looked up to, to, to my mom, my dad. I had good role models. Um, I, I really can't say that I had like a, like, like a, like a superhero or somebody yeah. that I, I really said, you know, yeah. that's exactly yeah. how I want to be like. Yeah. And did you know back then what you wanted to be? Like, um, did you have a projection? Okay, I'm, I'm going to grow up and become X and Y and Z or something? Or wasn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, I, um, I would say like as I was growing up, I knew I wanted to do something, I, I guess like, like, like physical. And you know, when I was, when I was in uh, high school and I was getting ready to graduate and I said I was gonna go to the Marine Corps, I was like, man, I'm gonna go into the Marine Corps and I'm gonna learn how to shoot guns and then, and then I'm gonna get out and I'm gonna go on a SWAT team and I'm gonna join the police force. And, and that was kind of like my, my thing was, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to be on a SWAT team. I wanted to help people and I wanted to save lives. That was, mm -hmm. yeah, it was probably the occupation that, um, you know, I kind of looked into the most whenever I was young. I can, I can see that this is still the case. You want to help people and <laughs> get them yes, that, that, healthy. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. Um, you know, and then after, after uh, I got out of the Marine Corps, I went to college um, and I have a degree in criminal justice with a concentration in private security. Um, and then whenever I got my degree, I sat there and I thought to myself, um, you know, I have the, the four years of the military experience, I have the degree, so, you know, I want to go into the government, I want to go secret service, and, you know, I want to protect the President of the United States. And I had a really good professor whenever I was in college. Uh, who was a former senior special agent with the Secret Service. He said, Mark, what do you think about going private sector and doing security work in the private sector? And I said, nah, nah, you know, I want to go Secret Service. And he said, just look into the private sector, throw out some applications, and what do you got to lose? So right before I graduated, um, I stumbled upon a company, and it's pretty much the nation's leading executive protection firm in the U.S. called Gavin DeBecker and Associates. And they required that you did a, a video interview, you had to send in your resume and application and yada, yada, yada. So kind of for shits and giggles, I put all that stuff together and I sent it off. And then a couple of weeks later, they invited me for an interview. So I flew all the way to California, uh, to Los Angeles, uh, went through the interview process and they narrowed it down from like, I think it was like 10,000 people all the way down to like, I don't know, a hundred people that they, they invited for the interviews um, in, in the process of the screening. So long story short, I made it through all that stuff and I got back and um, they sent me an offer and I liked the offer and I said, you know, here's a great opportunity. And so I packed up everything. I had a house in, in, uh, in Pennsylvania, I sold that. And then I drove cross country and I started the executive protection career. Um, and I was assigned to a multi-billion dollar family. And then uh, kind of when I started off in the protective industry, I was what they call an SSA, a security staff agent. Um, so I was pretty much like the, the, the hands-on guy with the clients, you know, doing all the, you know, the protective work and, and, and things like that. And then I worked myself up to the assistant detail leader. And then after a couple of years, I was the detail leader. So I was managing a 10-man protective team. Uh, for this family and literally I spent nine months out of the year living out of a suitcase traveling the world um, and, and protecting this family. Wow excellent so what was the yeah. uh, pivoting moments uh, after that you, you mentioned a couple of pivoting moments from yep. in, in the story that was when was uh, the next one then? The next one when it, uh, was 
shortly before that career ended, I was so burnt out. Um, I was stressed out of my mind. I was burnt out. I remember having like four different phones, one for the clients, one for the firm, one for myself, one for, you know, the guys. And, and it was just, it was so overwhelming. And then going from country to country, time zone to time zone, like my, my body didn't know when to sleep. I got addicted to sleeping pills. Um, and I, I just remember thinking to myself, like I was so drained, I was so stressed and, and, and looking at myself in the mirror. And, and um, I, I, it, was, it was like I lost my identity. I became this robot. And, and when I was looking at myself in the mirror, I said, Mark, is this what you want to do for the rest of your life? Is this why God put you on this earth? To protect this family um, or, is it, or is it another calling? And then I started going like deep within and asking myself those, those hard, deep questions. And, you know, right, right away, I knew the answer. I knew the answer was no, that's not what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Um, but I knew I wanted, to, I wanted to help people. I wanted to serve. I wanted to give back. But not, not just for one family, for, for the masses and as many people as I possibly could. I see. Mm. And then that's when you engaged into uh, fitness, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I drew up all the resignation letters and I set them all out um, and then I resigned. And everybody thought I was crazy. They're like, you know, Mark, man, you're like James Bond. Like, you know, you did all this hard work. You've been in this industry. You're making all this money. You worked your way up. Like, like you, you're crazy. What are you doing? And um, it's just, it wasn't for me. It wasn't for me. And I, and I blanked everybody out and, and I said, you know, hey, I'm, I'm doing what's best for me and, um, and this isn't it. Uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna get out. And, uh, whenever I got out, I mean, I was single at the time I was making good money. So I had a lot of money saved and I said, you know, I'm going to transfer into the health and fitness uh, field. Whenever I went through college, I was a personal trainer for four years and I absolutely like loved it helping people. And I said, I'm going to make that turn into uh, the health and fitness industry. And so I had two choices is one, go back to college, um, and get a different degree in like exercise physiology. Uh, or spend a lot of that money and seek out some of the best strength and conditioning coaches, you know, in the industry and travel the world and do internships and do certifications and, and kind of that on-job training. So that's what I decided to do. So I spent the next uh, two years after I resigned, literally traveling all, all over the world, um, getting certifications, studying and, and um, you know, just basically learning as much as I could from mm -hmm. the best. And did you know what you're going to do with that? Like, was it clear path? Okay, this is what I'm going to be doing, or let's try it out and see where this leads to. Well, again, like I knew that I was, I was put here to, to, to serve and oh. to help. Um, and, you know, and, and talking about like going deep within and asking those questions, um, mm. you know, I, I listened to my intuition. I listened to my gut. I listened to, you know, my creator. And, and, and I knew it was to, um, uh, again, to help the masses. And I, I just wanted to do it in a, in a holistic fashion, mm. you, know, uh, you know, mind, fitness, lifestyle. And, and, I, and I just knew I had to learn as much as I possibly can. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty clear. It was pretty clear. And you find, do you find your um, job right now, if you call it a job, I guess, I don't know if you will call it a job, <laughs> meaningful? Oh, it's, 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 it's beyond meaningful. It's, um, it's, it's my purpose. It's my purpose. It's my passion. Um, and no, it's, 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 it's not a job. It's, um, you know, like if I had all the money in the world, I would still be doing what I'm doing. Mm. Um, you know, maybe I'd, I'd be able to, um, you know, I guess affect more people with a little bit more money, but it, it doesn't matter. Like I, I, I honestly, I love what I do and I love the people that I help. And, you know, very rarely does a day go by that I don't get a beautiful message, uh, you know, from somebody on the opposite side of the world, you know, just thanking me and, you know, giving me this, this great success story, how, you know, they're continuing to implement the things that, you know, I showed them whenever we were together. So, yeah, I, I absolutely love what I do. Yeah, you worked with some great people that I met also that spoke highly of you. Tiffany? Oh, thank you. Okay, you know? yeah. Yeah, she's amazing. I love her. Love oh. her. Yeah, she, she's such a great person. And an amazing athlete. Yeah, she is. And very uh, deep and um, like, uh, yeah. I, I had her in the podcast also, interviewed her. It was very, pretty okay. nice. Okay. Um, yeah. So looking back now to this past 10 years doing what you've been doing right now, Mm -hmm. um, 
do you see i want to start with challenges there was, was were there challenges for you in it and how did you navigate those challenges yeah absolutely um so yes uh the, to, to answer your question there was there was a bazillion challenges um and i don't think we have enough time on this podcast to, <laughs> to even delve into you know some of them but you know for the majority of the last 10 years i've been an independent contractor um so like living abroad like you know you've gotta you've gotta have your work permit you've gotta have a business you gotta you know do your visa runs you gotta do this you gotta do so just jumping through all those hoops was was a challenge um you know to begin with um and early on when i when i was in thailand i opened up a couple businesses um i made some poor decisions um you know got in with the wrong people uh trusted the wrong people and i lost a lot of money um, you know, to the point where, I don't know, maybe about three, four years ago, like I had no money. Like literally I had no money. Mm. When I was in Bali, I think around the time that, you know, I think you and I were t together, um, it was, it was, you know, I, I guess I've had a couple different, like, you know, tough times in life, but that was definitely one of them because I remember I went through a period where like I had nothing. I had to go to a local war rung to the owner that I knew very well and ask them, is there any way that I can eat here for two weeks? And I have some money coming in in about two weeks and then I'll pay you, uh, you know, whatever the total bill is. And, and luckily he, he did that. And, and I just remember thinking like, man, you know, I might have to go back home. I might have to go back into the protective industry. And I kept saying, you know, like, God, please, you know, if you want me to continue to help people, like get me, get me through this, get me through this. And then, Three, four days later, you know, I'd get a message from somebody, you know, hey, I'm back in town. I know I owe you, you know, a couple hundred dollars from previous trainings. You know, where are you at? How can I get you the money? And then, you know, another week later, you know, somebody else owed me money and then somebody else. And um, so, yeah, there, there was definitely a lot of a, a lot of trying times, uh, you know, throughout uh, the, the last 10 years. But, you know, I hung in there. I believed in my purpose and, and why I was put on this earth. And I haven't wavered. And, and, you know, to, to, to be honest, you know, I've, I've worked with, I don't know, over 60, 70,000 people from all over the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just getting started. Like I'm just getting started. And uh, yeah, it's, you know, you, you got to hang in there. You got to believe in, in your purpose and your passion and, and believe that everything is going to work itself mm -hmm. out. And it always does. So if we want to break it down to people here and what you, from what you just said, like a, uh, um, which is one of the main reasons why I wanted to have you here in this conversation is because I see you as somebody that has been always focused and very consistent in, in what you do. And even though there was challenges, like right now, these days, there's a lot of challenges and people are doubting themselves, doubting uh, if they should continue whether whatever they're doing like employment self-employment sports preparation for after the covid 19 or something like that yeah. what is the core skills or uh, that one needs to be equipped by to be and stay consistent so you went through challenges but you stayed consistent and focused you had yeah. doubts but yeah. you stayed consistent and focused how can we break that down to people and uh, What's the teaching there? What's the learning there? Okay. Okay. Right. Um, great, great, great question. Um, so I think I have a good way to break this down and we're going to, I'm going to break this down and I'm going to apply this from a, um, like a physical training standpoint, yep. and then it's going to transfer into, into life, Mental especially limits. what, yes. And especially what we're going through now. Mm. I think I, I had mentioned uh, early on that I was a master instructor for several different brands. One of those brands is TRX suspension training. Yes. And so I've traveled all over the world and I've taught a lot of um, uh, uh, courses like certification courses. Mm. Um, so I've worked with a lot of trainers, a lot of coaches. Now during one of our courses, um, we, we have a little phrase in TRX during the course. And the phrase goes like this, is that conditions change, but standards remain. Conditions change, but standards remain. Okay. Now, this phrase um, basically stems from a military sniper unit. All right. 
Now, being a former United States Marine, I shot a lot of guns. I went through a lot of shooting schools. And one of them was CQB school, close quarter battle school. Now, when you're just kind of, you know, going through a school um, and you're doing a shooting course, uh, you know, they like to set certain standards. Now, we all know the standards like, like, like a baseline, a benchmark. Now, a standard is, is here. You don't go below. You've got to maintain a standard or you go above. Correct? Okay. So, you know, how does that apply to shooting? So, like, when you're first starting out, you know, they set a standard and they put you in a very stable position. One of the most stable positions in shooting is in a prone position. Now the standard, you know, you got your target and then you got that center mass. The standard is five, uh, five rounds center mass in the middle of the target. Okay. Um, now once you can do that consecutively and you maintain the standard and then they change the conditions, they take the target and move it back even further, but you still got to maintain that standard. And then once you've mastered that, they change the conditions even more. They put you up on a knee, so you're in a less stable position, but five rounds center mass, and then they have you standing up, shooting from a standing position, less stable, five rounds center mass, and then, man, they throw flashbangs at you, there's smoke going, and you gotta you know, run and maneuver and combat glide, but you still have to maintain the standard, and that's five rounds center mass. Mm. Now, we take that example in TRX, and we apply that to, to training and movement because the mind doesn't know muscle, but the mind does know movement. And I think you and I, whenever we were working together, we set a few standards, like a standard for a plank, exactly what I was looking for. We set a standard for a pull, a, a set a standard for a push and a rotate and a lunge and all these, these foundational movement patterns. And we set those standards with only body weight so that you knew exactly what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. And then all we did was we transferred and we changed those uh, uh, conditions and we took that standard and we put it to like a TRX or a sandbag or a barbell or a dumbbell. It doesn't matter whatever the tool is, whatever the modality is, the standard always remains. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's take that same example that I just gave you and let's apply it to life. Like right now, you know, conditions have changed. You know, like we're quarantined, we're stuck inside, you know, you, you can't go to your business anymore. You have to possibly, you know, start to, uh, you know, create an online business, work online. Um, you know, you, the, the conditions have definitely changed across the board, but what are your standards? Okay. It always goes back to your standards. And that's one thing like throughout my life is, you know, ever since I was little, I've had specific standards, standards for, you know, uh, my fitness and, and, and my health, you know, standards for my eating regimen, standards for my mental mindset, standards for, you know, how I perform. And, and, and so, so I have these specific standards and all throughout my life, man, conditions change, you know, like people die, you know, I just recently lost my father, but, um, you know, those standards they don't change. You're going to get your heart broken. You're going to lose money. You're going to go bankrupt. Uh, you know, like these things are going to happen. That, that, that's just life. But it's, it's those standards. We have to maintain those standards. I have very, very strong message in there. The standards. So that's, that's in the mind. So that's in the mind. Like it's, it's a mental strength. It's a, a, a skill that needs to be in the mind. Like, what you think is actually gives you the outcomes that you want to have and the, 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 at the end. So um, how would someone can train that? How can someone train that focus or that have those type of standards? Yeah, so good question. Um, definitely routines, routines and habits, routines and habits, routines and habits. Um, so like, for instance, your morning routine. You know, getting up and being very, very consistent with what you say that you're going to do, okay? So if you say, you know what, hey, I'm going to get up in the morning and I'm going to go for, for, for a two-mile uh, run, okay? And you get up in the morning and you see your tennis shoes and you're like, you know what, I'm too tired. I, I'm, I'm not going to do it today. I'll do it tomorrow. Now, if you do that over and over, you're sending the message to your brain that, you know what, hey, you're defeated. You cannot stick to what you say you're going to do, mm -hmm. okay? But when you say, hey, I'm gonna get up in the morning and I'm gonna go for two mile run, you set your shoes out, uh, you get up, um, you know, you throw on your shorts, you put them shoes on, you get out of there and, and you do it and you come back 
And then you're sending a message to your brain, you know what, hey, I said I was going to do this. I got my ass up. I was tired. I put on my shoes. I went out there and I did it. And then you do the same thing the next day. And you do the same thing the next day. When you do it over and over and over, the brain says, you know what, hey, you say you're going to do something. You follow through with it and you did it. And then that becomes a habit. And then that's, that's where the momentum starts to go, okay? Mm-hmm. And the momentum can go one of, one of two ways. You know, I, I, I explained to you that, you know, we can do it the other way and not follow through and we can go down, mm-hmm. okay, and create that or, you know, we can follow through. So I think the biggest thing is, is, is being consistent with the habits that you set forth and, and what you tell yourself you're going to do, man, stick with it. And it doesn't have to be like, hey, I'm going to make a million dollars this year. You know, if, if you want to go way up there, great. But I say start with the small things, the little things. I'm going to get up in the morning, and every morning before I have my coffee, I'm going to hydrate. I'm going to drink a big glass of water. I'm going to throw a little bit of sea salt in there, and I'm going to throw some lemon in there, and I'm going to drink that every single morning before I have my coffee. It's small, but if you do it over and over, the brain says, okay, you did this. All right, what's next? What's next? And then the more you do that, the more you create these habits, um, you know, good morning routines, good evening routines, and then things throughout the day, and then boom, you're rocking and rolling. It becomes a part of your identity to be the guy who is or the, or the girl that is always consistent and regular. And therefore, it translates yes. to how you do everything. How you do anything is how you do everything, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yes. I'm curious about your own morning routine. Yeah. Okay. So good question. Um, and now, like, you know, as, as you go throughout life and in time, you know, things change and evolve. We know that, but you know, across the board, first thing I do, as soon as I get up in the morning, I never hit snooze. Um, I'm a morning guy. So I get up pretty early. Um, you know, like once my, uh, Carcadian rhythm is set, um, I, I try to get up naturally. So I don't get up to an alarm and naturally is usually like around, I don't know, 4.45, 5 o'clock in the morning. As soon as I get up, I sit on the edge of the bed, I close my eyes, and I say a prayer. And I speak to my creator, you know, and, and I'm just going to go ahead and share what that prayer is, you know. I say, I say, God, give me the courage and strength to use the gifts that you gave me to the best of my ability to help make a positive difference in this world. And I just give thanks. That's exactly what I say every single morning. And then I try to put myself in a state of, like, like just, just gratitude. Like, man, I get an opportunity. Like, there's so many people that don't have the opportunity to wake up. You know, I get the opportunity to wake up and go out there and help people. And I put myself in that state of gratitude. And then I get up, I go out, I drink a big glass of, of water. I put in a little bit of sea salt, uh, lemon in there. I drink that first thing in the morning. That gets kind of the whole, you know, the system going. I take my morning glory. As soon as I take my morning glory, I go outside. If it's, it's a nice day and I'm in the weather here in Thailand, it's great. I sit down on the ground. I sit down on the ground and, um, you know, I'm, I'm barefoot. I sit down and so I earth. So I'm getting all those negative electrons and all the benefits, you know, from just touching the ground and connecting. You know, and at that time in the morning, like the sun's not even up. So I get to hear like the sounds of the jungle and the birds chirping and the frogs and, and everything. And it's just, it's, it's so amazing. And then, um, you know, from there, I do a little bit of breath work. Um, so there's different types of breath work that I do. I'm not going to go into each and every one of them, but usually in the morning, it's the Wim Hof breathing method. Um, I, I'm sure you've heard of that. Oh, I'm that doing before. that every morning. Yeah, good, good, good. So see, great minds think alike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I usually go a- anywhere from like two to three rounds of the Wim Hof. After I'm done there, my, you know, my body's charged. And then I go into like a, like, like a 10 minute uh, morning movement routine. Now, it's not yoga, it's not animal flow, it's not gymnastica. It's a combination of just a bunch of different things. Mm. I've been very fortunate to dapple in a lot of different, you know, movement systems. And, you know, I kind of came up with my own little routine that, you know, that that, that works for me. And I really listen to my body. I really, you know, if one side's tighter than the other, I show it a little bit more loving. So after I'm done there and then I sit down and I go into... I don't know, roughly like a five-minute meditation or sometimes it's longer, sometimes it's even shorter. But during that meditation, you know, that's my time to connect, to visualize, because the mind doesn't know the difference between the reality and what you're thinking in your mind. So I like to visualize, like, how my day is going to go. What am I going to be doing? Um, so, yeah, spend about five minutes doing that, and then I get up, I go inside, I make breakfast, um, and then I go about my day. 
you know, whatever the day is, whether it's, you know, trainings or, you know, tenure four, or, you know, whatever I have for, in store for the day. So that's in a nutshell, the morning routine. Sounds fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, uh, good. I, I see my morning routines also as being the warm up for my day. Mm. Before going for a, for an exercise, you pro you do warm up, right? For me, that's my warm up for for the day. And yep. if if uh, if I don't do it right, or I miss a part of it, or I, I miss a, a component in it, I feel like something is not right. I didn't warm up properly, and my yeah. focus, my mood, uh, my attitude is not right. And yeah. I become a little bit even OCD about it. <laughs> Obsessive. <laughs> I'm the same way, but you know, like once, I mean, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And a lot of the viewers, um, you know, can probably relate, but you know, once you get into a good morning and a good evening routine and you do it on a regular basis, yeah. and then all of a sudden, like you said, you don't do it. And then you, you, you feel lost. Like, like your day's just not, it's not the same. Like it doesn't flow. You're not in the, you, you know, you're not in that proper mental mindset. Like it just doesn't go as it normally does. So yeah, you're right. Like it's, yeah. it's a way to prime the body, the mind, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, for success throughout the day. Right. So, you know, surprisingly, I thought a lot of people would like to have routines and are doing routines because recently I put on um, Instagram stories, a question like uh, first book, first I put a, um, uh, snippet from an audiobook that I was listening to called Stillness is the Key. Okay. And in that, there was a message there about routines. And a lot of people that I uh, follow me or know me, they think uh, I'm a little bit crazy with all my routines. I put them on the calendar, like morning routine, then this and this and that. I think it's too hectic. And so it's not hectic yeah. for me. That's for me. Discipline and structure is great, is nice. It's freedom, actually. Yeah. So I put the question there after the snippet, do you like routines? Yes or no? Do you have routines? Yes or no? What is your routine or what are your routines? And then for them to type. I had more people saying, I don't like routines, yeah. but uh, that they like routines, sorry, they like them, but they don't have them. And a few of them said, what are their routines and, and so on. But so the surprise there or the the what was intriguing is that people like them, but they don't have them. And some yeah. told me, well, I have never been a morning person or I have never learned to do that. It's not just for me. It's, it's too yeah. hard to wake up early. And yeah. I, I um, advised some of my clients to, like one of them specifically that I'm thinking about here to start early. He said he's never a morning person. He, yeah. he works in the nightlife kind of industry for all his life. And now he wants to make the change, but it's so hard for him. Yeah. I gave him a few intels there on how to get it started, but I'm curious what yeah. would be your intel in that? What would you say to someone who says, well, I have never been a morning person. I don't know if this is really for me. What will you help do or tell them to help them change or see that from a different angle? Uh, yeah, yeah, great, great, great question. Um, and yeah, I, I think I definitely have something that, um, that, that's going to help out the viewers uh, in regards to that. Now, when I was in the military and then especially in the executive protection field is a lot of the times when we would do, be doing uh, like movements or like recons or um, like advances, like in the protective industry, it was like an advance. Like, so in other words, like the clients are here and they want to go to a different island. You've always got to send somebody ahead to that different island so they can advance. Where's the hospitals? Where's the police stations? Where's the villa? You know, how are we going to get there? You know, blah, 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 blah. And so, you know, kind of, um, you know, to chime in on that, it's, it's we always had to think and begin with the end in mind. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what's, what's the end result? So now to develop a good morning routine, let's flip it on its head and let's begin kind of at the end. I think in order to get the good morning routine is you've got to develop a good evening routine. Okay. Um, so if, if you're that night guy and I can't wake up in the morning and you know, it's just too hard for me. And you know, I get up at 11 o'clock Well, you're probably not going to bed until two o'clock. You're probably, you know, staying on your computer, staying on your phone, being absorbed by all this blue light. You're not dimming the lights. You know, 
there's so many things that you're probably doing mm. that aren't setting you up for success in the morning time. So in order to become that morning person, you have to start it in the evening. Like IE, if I want to go to bed at 10, it's eight o'clock at night. I don't go on the phone. I don't downtime. go on the iPad. I don't watch yet. Yeah, downtime. Yeah. You know, you dim the lights, you put on a candle, you read a book the old fashioned way. You talk to your spouse or your girlfriend. Um, you know, you do a little stretching, maybe a yoga, do a meditation. You need to train. And I mean, you know, this is being a, a mindset coach is you need to train the brain. Okay. So if you do those same things over and over, like, okay, for instance, um, you know, you, you dim the lights, you put on a candle. Okay. Trigger, trigger. And then all of a sudden you light some incense, incense, like say it's, um, you know, uh, lemon flavored incense. Okay. Trigger, smell, brain, trigger. And you do all these little things and you set up the trigger and then you do this consecutively over and over and over. Next thing you know, after a month, as soon as you dim the light, you put on the candle, you, mm. you uh, light that lemon uh, uh, you know, flavored incense, the brain smells it. The brain starts to sit there and say, okay, it's time for me to start producing the melatonin so that I can put myself to sleep. Um, and I, you know, honestly, like we could do a podcast and talk for hours on just sleep alone. And I became very obsessed uh, with sleep because I told you when I was in the protective industry, um, I was addicted to sleeping pills. My cortisol levels were so high, I did not know how to sleep. Mm. Um, so I, I literally had to study and take courses and read books. And, and I had to learn and train myself to become a good sleeper. Now, boom, 10 o'clock, I'm in bed. I sleep all throughout the night. And I wake up without an alarm at like 5 o'clock in the morning. Um, good quality sleep. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it starts with that nighttime routine. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I see what you where you're going with that, hundred percent. And then, so um, speaking of books, then are there books mm -hmm. that you have recommended a lot to people, and that that you have on top of your mind right now, top of your head, to, that you can recommend to people uh, who are listening? Yeah, Not great. Only about uh, sleep, but anything. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, off the top of my head, I'm a massive fan of Dr. Joe Dispenza. I mean, you've right. probably heard of Dr. Yeah. Joe. Uh, he's, he's amazing and he's got a really good book out. Um, you are the placebo mm -hmm. talking about what the mind conceives, the body achieves, man. Our thoughts are so freaking powerful. Mm -hmm. They will manifest. You see, you think the same things over and over and over and that, that reality is going to happen. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, that's an amazing book. Um, Bruce Lipton, the, the, the biology of belief, again, the power of thoughts, your beliefs that will literally change yourselves okay It'll that's my number yourselves. one it is what biology of belief yeah Aye. okay yeah um what else um uh what, what is it a uh, frankel man search for meaning uh victor frankel uh you know it's, it's such a such a good book about you know being in in um the concentration camps um and you know kind of what he went through mentally and and, you know, again, the, the, the power of, of thought and, and your, your attitude and positivity, that's an amazing book. Um, uh, what else? What else? Something about the power. Of, yeah, the power of now. The oh, power yeah. of literally mm. now, like, like staying in the present moment. Um, I think the, the author of that is uh, um, Edgar, Edgar Toll, I believe his name is. Uh, so yeah, off the top of my head, those are those are some mm. of my some of my favorite ones. Very good, Mark. Thank you very much for these. I have read most of them, or all of them actually. Maybe not the Viktor Frankl. I need to check that one out. Uh, it's an amazing book. And then uh, one more. There's um, there's a bunch of really good books um, by an amazing author. Uh, his name is Dr. Wayne Dyer. Mm. I think you would really uh, resonate with with him. Uh, he's got a good book called uh, Inspiration. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's one of my favorite ones. So I, I highly recommend that you can have this place. Cool. Mark, a couple of more questions. Um, how do you define success? Hmm. Okay, so yeah, good, good question. So to me, success is not deemed upon, you know, how much money you make. It's hmm. not deemed upon, you know, the trophies on the mantle and, 
and the medals that you have and what you accumulate. It's, um, it is, what is, what is your purpose? Why were you put here? Did you find your purpose? And did you develop that purpose to the best of your ability? And here's the most important thing that defines success is did you give it away to as many people as you possibly could mm -hmm. while you were here on earth? Mm -hmm. And if you did that and you did it to the best of your ability and you helped as many people as you possibly could, um, that, that is, that's ultimate success right there. Excellent. One more, uh, maybe not only one more, maybe two more. <laughs> <laughs> sure, throw them at me. Where does performance come from? Where does performance come from? Um, elaborate, what do, you, what do you mean? So how do we become performant? What is, what is, uh, what is performance? How do you define even performance? So just define it. Um, I, okay, so if I had to put a definition behind performance is the ability to seek action, um, to, to perform, the ability to, to get out there and put the action behind uh, whatever it is that is your, you know, your trade, your tool, whatever it is that you're doing. So it's, it's um, you know, focused, controlled action. Focused, controlled action. Good one. Well, thank you for thank that. Thank you. That right. was right off the, uh, the top of the cuff. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Right. So, I don't know. I think we went through most of the things that I was looking for. Um, checking here with you. And uh, is there anything else that we would like to add? A, a message there for people among all the beautiful messages that you passed on already this mm. morning afternoon for you yeah yeah is um i don't know there's 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 a saying that uh that, that i memorized and it's um it's like one of my i don't know if you want to call it a quote or, or or saying and and i remember the first time i read it i was like man that is so true and that is so beautiful and if, there, if there's one big message that I want to convey to the viewers, it would be this, is that in life we have a choice. And we have the choice to be a critic and to um, you know, criticize everybody else doing everything. And, and we know there's a lot of those out there. Or you have a choice to be a doer, a person, a man of woman of action that gets out there and helps people and does what they say they're going to do. So it's a choice to be a critic or to be a doer. Now, I'm going to give you that saying, and hopefully I remember it, okay? Because you Not kind of threw you. me on the spot here, okay? <laughs> is is the, uh, the world is full of critics. They, they play... The, okay, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Um, Take your time. Yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to remember this off the cuff here is... Uh, world is full of critics. Okay, here we go. The world is full of critics. They play no ball and they fight no fights. Now they make no mistakes because they attempt nothing. Now down in the arena are the doers. They make many mistakes because they try many things. Now the man or the woman that makes no mistakes lacks boldness and spirit of adventure. They are the break on the wheel of progress and yet it cannot be said that they make no mistakes because their biggest freaking mistake is the fact that they try nothing, they do nothing, except for criticize those that do things. So you have a choice in life, is you can be a critic or you can be a doer. Excellent. Applause, please. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. So... Yeah, I think uh, um, there's a lot of learnings in here in this uh, uh, conversation and I'll make sure uh, the message goes there to as many people as possible. Fantastic. Where can people find you? Can you articulate the name of your social media, website, whatever you have out there so people can connect with you and learn from you? 
Okay, absolutely. So um, I, I think I told you at the beginning that I am based in here in Phuket, Thailand. Uh, I work for Tenya Pora. Um, so that's kind of the home base where I do a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the training. Um, and then on all my socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube, it's all Coach Mariani. Um, and then also if somebody wants to send me an email, it's just mark at coachmariani.com. Excellent. Very good. So as I said earlier, sometimes I think about other questions. So there's one more question. And last sure. one, hopefully for now, what okay. do you do for fun? What's fun like for you? Yeah, good question. Um, so fun. People ask me, you know, why, why do I train? Why am I so consistent with, mm -hmm. you know, with my training regimen? And the reason why I train, I don't train for aesthetics. I don't train to have the six pack to go pick up the hot girl. That's never been my intention and that's never been my goal. Now, the body that I have and the way that I look is just a byproduct of how I train. But to be honest, the number one purpose of why I train uh, the way that I do is so that I can enjoy fun life activities. So for me, what is fun like uh, life activities? Um, I enjoy going out into the jungle and climbing vines and trees. Um, I love skateboarding. I enjoy surfing. I like doing slacklining, um, uh, playing, moving, jumping, flipping, trampolines. Like, like to me, going out and, and being able to use this body that you know, my creator gave me and, and enjoy and play and have fun, those are the types of things that, that I like to do. That's what I really enjoy for, you know, for fun. Excellent, Mark. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You're welcome. And you know what? Hey, thank you so much for having me on. It was such a pleasure and honor to see you, speak with you, and connect with you again. Um, and yeah, hopefully uh, some of the messages that I had to say uh, will help out some of your viewers. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. My pleasure. Take care, buddy. That's it for today's conversation. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the key insights that we shared on this podcast interview. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button if you didn't subscribe yet and head to my website, thebodyandmindcoach.com slash blog to find exclusive articles about various personal and professional development topics. And finally, if you are an athlete or a business professional who's looking for help to advance your career and navigate through whatever challenges that you may be facing to win your game, or if you are a corporate organization who would like to offer their team a workplace well-being workshop, or if you are a sports team who's looking at unlocking their full potential, go to my website, thebodyandmindcoach.com, scroll to the bottom and hit the contact button and reach out. Thank you and enjoy your day.